So I was just informed that, um, Kathy, just wanted to let you know before you sit down that we need to fill the baptistry for next week. So I just wanted to let you know we'll be baptizing again. So I want to go ahead and dismiss our third, fourth, and fifth graders. They are going to head out with Team Brandon Reineke. So if you want to head out this way, third, fourth, and fifth graders, if you are a K-1 or 2, you can head down right here and grab a packet. Uh, if you are third, fourth, fifth grade and you want to head out with Team Brandon Reineke, they're headed this way. If you are a kindergarten, first, or second grader and you want to come down here and grab a packet, uh, Miss Jen has got those for you. The rest of us can be turning, finding uh, Psalm 84, Psalm 84, and while you're doing that, just a couple of things that are going on that I want to make sure that you are aware of. First, you can see that the collection has started. We've got about another week and a half. Uh, this is the school supply list that should be an insert in your handout. Uh, if not, we can get one of those to you. Uh, just as you're heading to Walmart to grab a little extra, as you're heading to Target, grab a little extra uh, as we are, or order online, whatever you do best. Uh, and so, but we are collecting school supplies for our preschool for uh, Indy Atlantic Elementary, as well as for Hoover Middle School, uh, trying to bless those teachers. And God has already used things like this uh, to build those relationships with those teachers, with the administration. Uh, we'll have even more things to share with you in the days to come. Uh, also, after our worship time today, uh, we have a reception uh, in the fellowship hall to welcome the entire Abercrombie family. Uh, we waited till today because we knew we'd have have Jamin, uh, and Jamin, I, I think you're good looking too. Um, uh, but, you know, Scott, I think you're a handsome man. You know, I could, you know, all of these kind of things. Um, but also, their boys are here. Are the boys in, in the, where Jordan and Taylor, where are you guys? The guys are in the stand up so the guys can see, so everybody can see. This is, these are their sons. Um, both are, yeah, welcome. Both have a very a brief window because they're both college athletes, and so they've got a little bit of time before they've got to go back for, for training and all that kind of stuff. So glad to have you guys here. So grateful. So join us at, after worship as we'll head into the fellowship hall. Just an opportunity to, to welcome them formally. Uh, introduce yourself. Uh, there's a basket. If, if you uh, brought a gift card to bless them with, if you want to bring that later, that's fine too. Just enjoy some, uh, some refreshments. Uh, time to get to know them well. Also, and it's in the handout, but... And we'll have more information later, but just very, very important. If you would go ahead and make it a priority to be here on September, Sunday, September 11th, save that date. Not only save that date, but maybe begin thinking now of somebody that you could bring with you. That's going to be an important day in the life of our faith family. So save that date. Now, before we read this psalm together, I want to take just a second to give us a little bit of a background, a little bit of context. I think that can sometimes be helpful. Uh, for possibly understanding the psalm a little bit more deeply. So hang with me for just a minute. In the Old Testament, God's people, the nation of Israel, are divided into 12 tribes. And the 12 tribes are based on the 12 sons of Jacob. In Genesis chapter 32... Jacob, who is Abraham's grandson, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is traveling. He is going to see his brother Esau. Uh, this is a very, very tense relationship. Uh, he's headed on the way to meet with Esau, and he encounters uh, this group of uh, God's messengers, is the way most translations will say it. Uh, and a long story short, please take time, Genesis chapter 32, please take time to read that for yourself. It's, some, so it's a fascinating story. But long story short, Jacob spends an entire 
entire evening uh, until daybreak, the scripture says. He spends this entire evening wrestling uh, with this individual, with this man. Uh, some people will say it's one of the messengers. Some people will say it was God himself. I think the, pa- the passage says that Jacob wrestled with God and man. Um, but he's physically, he spends the entire evening literally, physically wrestling with this individual. And Jacob refuses to let this guy go until he blesses Jacob. And the blessing is a name, a change in his name. And with the, with a new name comes a new direction, a new uh, purpose, a, an even greater purpose. He changes Jacob's name to Israel. And Israel, Jacob, has 12 sons. The 12 sons of Jacob are Simeon, Reuben, Levi, Judah, Zebulun, Issachar, Dan, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Joseph, and Benjamin. Yes. <laughs> Those are the 12 sons of Jacob of Israel, and they become the 12 tribes. If you need to be reminded of that list, go to Genesis chapter 49. So from a geographic perspective, it's going to look like this. So this is what it's going to, we're going to leave that up for there for just a minute. So from a geographic perspective, this is what the 12 tribes of Israel look like. So when the nation of Israel entered the promised land, okay, pause, let me, let me back up again. During the time of Joseph, Joseph was son number 11. During the time of Joseph, and that, this is Genesis chapter 37 and on, 37 through 50 is really the story of Joseph and his family. During the time of Joseph, there was a, a famine in the land. So Joseph, who, who by the end of his story is already a power player in, 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 the, in, the, in the structure of Egypt, he's, a, he's a, a, an influencer, he's a politician, he's a power player in Egypt. He brings his family, his dad and all his brothers, into Egypt, and during this famine, they are provided for during the famine, but also really while Joseph remains in leadership. But if you fast forward a few generations past Joseph, uh, because what was happening was the Egyptians were respecting Joseph and his leadership because God, through Joseph, was providing for them during the famine. But as you get past, as Joseph dies, and then there's another generation and another generation, there's also another generation of Egyptian leadership and another generation of Egyptian leadership. And as distance increases from, from this leadership from the time of Joseph and Joseph's God, so does the Egyptians' respect level for the Israelites and for Israelites' God. And eventually what happens is the Egyptians begin to oppress and enslave the Israelites. And that's where we pick up with the person of Moses. And the Exodus. Enter Moses. God uses Moses then uh, to walk through this season of, of slavery and oppression. And then Moses, God uses Moses to lead the people out of Egyptian slavery. They end up, they leave uh, Egypt and then they are in the wilderness for 40 years because they're stubborn and they just can't seem to do things God's way. But then God fulfills the promise that he gave Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12. That your, 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 your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky, the sand on the, on the seashore. Uh, that you will, he also promised them, as he told Abraham, I'm going to send you to a land I'm going to tell you about. I'm going to take your people. There was this land, what we call the promised land. And what happens is as Moses moves the people out of Egypt and out of the wilderness, they begin to move toward this place, this place that God had promised them that they could be, they could grow, and they could prosper as his people people. 
That said, Moses doesn't get to be the one who takes them into the promised land. That's a story for another day. Moses doesn't get to lead them into the promised land. That honor goes to his protege, this warrior, this leader named Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 3, that's when the Israelites cross the Jordan River into the promised land. This is all a fascinating stuff, folks. So don't just take my word for it. Dive into Genesis. Dive into Exodus. Dive into Joshua and read these narratives. Read these stories. They're absolutely fascinating. In chapter 3, Joshua leads the people to cross the Jordan River and they go into the promised land. And then in chapter 13 of Joshua, Joshua assigns each of the tribes a portion, their physical geographical portion of the promise. So now we're back to the 12 tribes. One of the 12 tribes in particular is the tribe of Levi. And you will not find Levi on this map. The tribe of Levi did not get a particular portion. Rather, the tribe of Levi, these are, and we'll talk about, we'll talk about their assignment in just a minute, but they are scattered, they're dispersed among all of the tribes, but they're concentrated in 48 particular cities where there are temples, where there are places of worship, because that is what they are responsible for. They're not on the map, they're not landowners, they don't get a portion, they're spread out and they have particular assignments. When we get into 1 Chronicles, starting with uh, chapter 9, and then particularly in chapters 24, 25, and 26, we get a glimpse into God's assignments for this particular tribe, the tribe of Levi. Um, Joshua 13, 33 says that the Lord God, the God of Israel, rather than land, the, that God himself was their inheritance. Aaron, uh, Moses' brother, Aaron, A-A-Ron, uh, he was... Um, uh, he was uh, he was a Levite, uh, and so um, these are who this tribe is. So there there is one tribe, and they're put into three groupings. The first grouping are the priests. The first grouping are the priests. These are the individuals that are responsible for for teaching the law, for enforcing the law, which meant that they would which meant that they would exercise judgment when the law was broken. But then they're also responsible for performing the sacrifices, and this is incredibly significant because of what this means for us as well. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says, according to the law, almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. According to the law, almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. This is why we not only call Jesus the perfect sacrifice. It was his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. So we call him the perfect sacrifice, but we also call him the ultimate high priest. Jesus is the one standing in the gap on our behalf. Paul tells Timothy, he describes Jesus as the mediator between God and humanity. He was on the cross and he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, making it so that we can be in a right relationship with God the Father. He is the perfect sacrifice. He is the ultimate high priest. There is no need for any other. So there were priests and there were Levites. Now, let's not get confused. Um, all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. 
All priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. The individuals in this specific group are are providing ministries associated with with public worship and the administration of public worship. They are going to be the musicians and the worship leaders. Uh, They're going to be uh, guards and administrators. They're going to be treasurers. They're going to have other temple tasks that are directly related to the ministry of the temple. Friends, Stacey, you are Levites. You didn't know that, did you? Well, now you know. They are the ones that are, are helping the, the ministry of the temple move forward. So that, there's, then there's a third group. So you've got the priests, you've got the Levites, and then you've got the gatekeepers. And these are the often unnoticed servants and guardians of the temple. They, they, theirs is a plethora of assignments, a, a veritable cornucopia of responsibilities. I just wanted to use really big words. <laughs> they would do things from assisting with, with financial matters to janitorial tasks. Uh, to they would be the building and grounds guys. They would, they would do, they would be in charge of the physical and the spiritual safety and security of the temple. Their job was to to protect the integrity of the temple. And these are our psalmists today. Uh, your, your subtitle in your, your, your Bible may say is the sons of Korah. Uh, and, and these are the gatekeepers. They are safety and security. They are bookkeepers and assistants. They are greeters and traffic control. They are janitors and repairmen. They are servants of the Most High God. And with that said, if you are physically able, would you, I would invite you to join us as we stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. Psalm 84, would you read it out loud with me? How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. Start, let's start over. Let's give it the life and the oomph that it deserves as God's word. Let's start over. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she places her young near your altars. My King and my God, how happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually, Selah. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. Lord God of armies, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. Consider our shield God. Sorry. Consider our shield God. Look on the face of your anointed one. Better a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good for those who live with integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of armies. Father, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. 
You are our rock. You are our redeemer. Father, may I decrease so that you might increase. And may we conclude our time today more like you than when we started. Because we have been in your presence. We have heard your voice. And we have been changed by your word. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. There's one psalm, three sections, three blessings. One psalm, three sections, three blessings. Section one, blessing one is verses one through four. Section one, blessing one is verses one through four. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. This is a simple military term portraying God as a warrior who is on our side, who is fighting on our behalf. Isn't it neat just in one title, you can be assured that God has your back. Telling you right now, that's enough for me. We could stop right there and it'd be a good day. How lovely is your dwelling? We're not going to. But how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies? I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Keep in mind, this is not someone who does not have access to the temple. This is not someone who can't get to the sanctuary. The psalmist works there. He more than likely spends the vast majority of his time. He's got a hammock in the back. He probably lives there on occasion. In poetic terms, what this psalmist, what this author is describing is a desire for God, a passion for God, a hunger for God that is insatiable. It cannot be satisfied. The more he gets of God, the more he gets of God's word, the more he wants God, the more he wants of God's word. He has this insatiable hunger, this unquenchable thirst for more and more of God. And the more he gets, the more he wants And he's not simply talking about being in the building. I'm sure that he loves the building that he's in. I'm sure, I'm certain. Uh, Matter of fact, if you go based on descriptions of of 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles, as well as other Old Testament accounts, the temple itself is this incredible structure. It It is an architectural statement. It is a display of incredible beauty. They wanted it to be so because they wanted the structure with which they worshiped in to to reflect and and resonate the glory of their God. They wanted the things that people saw to reflect the glory of their God. But don't think that he's just talking about, I'm longing to be in the physical structure. I'm longing to be in that building. What the the author is saying is that the more I get of God's word, the more I'm in God's presence, the more that's all where I want to be. My heart and flesh are crying out for the living God. My heart, the very core of who I am, everything I am, soul, spirit, everything I am, my heart and flesh, the very physical presence. Not only do I want my heart to be there, but I do want my physical presence. Folks, there is something about Sunday mornings that gets me excited. Sunday mornings is not the time that I wake up and go, oh, I really don't want to go to church. And Julie has to roll over and go, yeah, but you're the pastor. And, and it, that's, that's, that's not how it works in our family. Folks, I'm up at 4.30 on Sundays because I am stupid excited. I am stupid and excited. I am stupid excited about being here. I long to be with God's people. I love coming in. I love being a part of a small group when I can be. But I love being here because I know that I'm going to meet with you and I know that we're going to meet with God. It draws me. It excites me. I can't. I want more of it. 
Once a, once a week is not enough, so we're eventually going to go to twice a week. Oh, it's going to be great. All that. Three times. Gathering together as God's people, my heart, the core of who I am, my physical being, my flesh, they cry out for the living God. Y'all, I love what is happening here. I, I, I am so excited to be, I am so humbled and excited to be a part. And I pray that you continue to be as comfortable and as excited as you are about inviting people, asking people to join us, asking people to come here. But I hope even more than that, even more than what, what, whatever is happening in this place, the movement of God, the movement of the Holy Spirit, the things that we get to be a part of, whether it be uh, doing supplies for the schools, doing a special needs VBS, whatever we're able to be a part of in our community, whatever God is doing on this campus, through this campus, as a catalyst from this campus, I hope that even more than your excitement for what God's doing here, even more than your excitement for inviting somebody to this place, I hope, I hope, I pray that your desire for the living God is even greater. I hope that your desire, your passion, your hunger for his word is insatiable, unquestionable. I hope that you can't get enough of being in his presence, of being in his word. I hope that you're excited about being here and being a part of what God's doing. I really need you to be excited about what God's doing with some of the vision and some of the things I'm going to be sharing with you. But I hope more than that, more than inviting somebody to this place, to this campus, I hope that you are excited enough that you are also inviting people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. So that when we come together collectively with that hunger and that passion and that drive, that's when revival will take place. That's when we'll see God do immeasurably, exceedingly, abundantly more than we could have ever asked or imagined. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow, a nest for herself where she places her young near your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God. Again, this is poetry, but it's birds. I don't know anything about birds. I had to study birds this week. Birds are stupid. I asked somebody, I'm not going to tell who it was, but I was like, hey, I need to know a little bit about birds. And they were like, well, there's this movie. <laughs> I'm a simple guy. I'm like, oh, not what we're talking about. I saw a bunch of y'all going, I didn't know there was a movie. It's Alfred Hitchcock. Didn't spiritually invest myself in that. First, the sparrow. Sparrow is a common, lowly, for most part, worthless bird. Matthew's gospel, Jesus, Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, Jesus says you can get two of them for a penny. And yet here it is, finding a place, a home in God's temple. Dr. Shaddix just says it's a great description in a sense of the people of God. Humble Lowly, common people who find majestic meaning in the presence of God. Common people who find majestic meaning 
in the presence of God. And then there's the swallow. The swallow is a fast-moving bird. It, it's, it's really agile. And it spends the vast majority of its time flying. It doesn't land. It doesn't find a home very often. It, it spends the majority of its time flying. But this, this one, this fast, fast-moving little bird has, has made a nest for herself, a place where, where she can finally rest and it's in the presence of God. This, this bird that moves all the time has found a place where she can finally rest in the presence of God. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For some of you, the sermon stops right here because you haven't known that one word in forever. Life has come at you and has kept coming at you and at you and at you. And you feel like it has just slapped you in the face and slapped you in the heart over and over and over again. So let me repeat these incredibly priceless words said to us by our Savior. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Verse 4, how happy are those who reside in your house and praise you continually. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. The pray, your, his praise will always be on my lips. It's not that I should always be ready to talk about God. I shouldn't always be ready to brag on Him. I shouldn't always be ready to worship Him. But rather, His praise is always on my lips. How does that happen? Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says, The mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. If I want to, if I want to be His praise, always being on my lips. The mouth speaks with the overflow of the heart. Okay, so what do I fill my heart with so that it overflows with that? Ephesians chapter 5 verses 18 and 19 says, be filled with the Spirit. Colossians chapter 3 verses 16 through 18 says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. We need to fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. We need to fill ourselves with the word so that when our heart overflows, his praise is always on our lips. When we spend time in the word, not just here, not just in this hour on Sunday morning, when we spend time in the word in small groups, and if you're not in a small group, we're getting ready to birth a few more small groups. You need to be in a small group. This is wonderful. This is valuable. This is priceless. We need this time. There are small groups that meet on Sunday morning. There are small groups that meet in homes during the week. Find Karen, find somebody, become a part of a small group. If there's not a small group where you feel like you're fit, maybe you need to start one so that others can come to yours. But we need to have that more intimate time where we dive into God's Word. When we spend time in the Word, not just here, not just in the corporate setting, but in small groups, but also individually, we need to be having time alone in God's Word where we read it, where we meditate on it, where we talk about it, where we interact with it, where we study it, where we see to understand so that we can absorb the truth of God's Word and apply it to our lives when we spend time with the Word, when we spend time with the Holy Spirit, when we make room in our hearts and in our minds and in our schedules and in our relationships, when we make room in our lives for the voice of the Holy Spirit to be the most prominent voice in our hearts. 
It means we, we may have to do some decluttering. We may have to do some, some removal of some things and some relationships in our lives. Why? Because we need the voice of the Holy Spirit to be the, the loudest voice in the room. Who's the Holy Spirit speak through? He speaks, he speaks first and foremost through the Word of God. So we need to make sure that every day we've got some sort of time carved out to be reading, meditating, spending time in God's Word. Who else does the Holy Spirit speak through? He speaks through other believers, people who come into our lives. So the scriptures call it our iron sharpening iron, having men and women in your life who make you more like Christ. How do we become more like Christ? How do we, how we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? By coming to worship, by doing these things that allow all the other voices in the world to be drowned out by the voice of the, of the one who loves us the most. The one who has the best intentions for us more than anybody else ever. When we make room in our lives for the Holy Spirit, we hear his voice, we trust his guidance, we follow his instruction, and we obey his plan for our lives. And that's when we're filled. And when we're filled, we overflow. And when we, when we overflow, his praise will always be on our lips. How happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. Section 2, blessing 2, is verses 5 through 11. Section 2, blessing 2, is verses 5 through 11. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. The psalmist is recognizing that while the physical location of the temple is not always immediately accessible to everyone, the people of God are scattered throughout the land. The temple is just one structure, but the people of God are scattered all throughout the land. But the presence of God is everywhere. And while they may not be able to make it to the temple each and every time the doors are open, they can get to their creator at any point in time. You and I have access to the God of the universe through the Son. That said, he says the word pilgrimage. Pilgrimage is a journey. And the journey is not always easy, but the journey is always worth taking. The journey is not always easy, but it is worth taking. Verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, it's a Hebrew term. It means a balsam, a balsam tree. It's a tree that, because uh, I know all, everything about birds and trees now. It, it is a tree that is found in, it can be found in the desert, and it oozes its sap. It oozes its resin, and it looks, when it oozes out, it looks like a tear. So this is a valley of tears. This is the valley of weeping. And what this, this is here, and this is where oftentimes we just do a reading. We need to go a little bit deeper sometimes so that we don't just pass over phrases like this. This is a symbol of dry days, difficult days, days that don't necessarily make sense. Have you ever had one of those in your spiritual journey? A dry day, a difficult day day. Have you ever had a day that just didn't make sense? Have you ever had a day where you opened God's word and you faithfully read and nothing jumped off the page? Okay, that's just me. <laughs> We're going to have those days. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. Blessings. Blessings in the middle of a dry day. Blessings in the middle of a difficult day. Blessings in the middle of days that don't make sense. Why? Because in the midst of all that, God can, will, and does bring joy. Say that word with me. Joy. Now try to say it like you're mad. 
joy. You still smile afterwards. Joy. It's like drinking from a straw. Can't drink from a straw and be angry. I'm going to whoop you. In the midst of difficult times, God will bring joy. Verses 5 through 11 are about a journey that the psalmist is on, a physical journey to the actual temple, yes, but, but most definitely as well a spiritual journey into the presence of God. Psalm 1611 says, You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. Some of the translations say, will say, In your presence there is fullness of joy. Of joy. In your presence is where joy is at its utmost and complete. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Fast forward to verse 10. Better is a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand. This is the gatekeeper. This is the janitor. This is the repairman speaking. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents tents of wicked people. I would rather be a doorkeeper. I would rather be a janitor. I would rather be a repairman. I would rather be a money counter. I would rather be a you fill in the spot. than I would rather be that in the temple of God than anything in in the tents of the wicked. It's as if he's read Psalm 1 already. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked? How happy is the one who does not sit in the pathway of sinners? How happy is the one who does not sit in the company of mockers? Instead, instead, his delight, his joy is in the Lord's instruction. It is in God's word. And he meditates on it. He reads it. He absorbs it. He applies it. He meditates on it day and night, every day, all the time. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams. When you're planted beside flowing streams you are firmly rooted you are well nourished and you are thriving it's a tree that bears its fruit in season we all have gifts we all have skills we all have assignments we all have a purpose that is for his glory he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever he does prospers whatever he decides to accomplish will accomplish exactly what he intended He knows it to be true. The author knows it to be true because he knows this fact to be true that nowhere he would, there's nowhere he would rather be than in the presence of the source that makes it all possible. And for the Old Testament folks, it would have been the temple. The temple signified the presence of God with God's people in God's very presence. And he is simply thrilled to be a gatekeeper, to have an assignment that puts him in proximity to the very presence of God. You've met him before, my friend, Dr. Talbert. Dr. Talbert was one of my mentors at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. He was with us for our senior adult revival this past March. Dr. Talbert tells the story of uh, when he was a 15, 16 year old young man. He got to be a bat boy for the Atlanta Braves. He got to be a bat boy for the Atlanta Braves and and he was a bat boy for the, the visiting team's dugout. And so he got to, he got to do uh, all the things. He got to meet all the players that came through uh, and, and served for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, he got to meet all of those players during that season in, in his life. One of the stories that he often tells is that while he was in the, in the locker room, he had forgotten his cleats that day. And he was asking the other bat boys if he could borrow somebody's cleats. And he heard a voice behind him and he turned around and Hank Aaron gave him his cleats for that game. 
He often will tell people that he filled Hank Aaron's shoes. But what he also will tell you that, that he, he had this opportunity to meet all these incredible athletes, all these incredible players. But what he'll also tell you is at the end of the game, he would have to go back into the locker room and pick up all of these athletes' sweaty socks, sweaty clothes. And he was responsible for cleaning their clothes and cleaning the locker room. But he will also tell you that this was worth it because he got to be in proximity to this. Folks, I don't care what God calls me to do as long as it puts me in proximity to God's people and in God's presence. I don't care what role I get to play. I don't care what assignment he calls me to do. I'll clean the toilets in this place. I'll, I'll, I'll mow the lawn. I'll do whatever you ask me to do as long as I can be in the presence of God's people and in the presence of what God is doing. Verse 12, happy, happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of armies. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are Julie's life verses. They say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding, but in all your ways know him, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Happy is the person who trusts in in you, Lord of armies. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of armies. Pascal said this. He said, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there, once, there was once in a man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. He tries to, in vain to fill this with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there, the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. It's a quote that talks about there being a God-sized hole within each of us. There, there is a, a hunger, a desire, a longing within each of us, whether we realize it or we, not, or we don't. There is a longing, an insatiable longing within each of us for the Creator. And the thing is, it is our decision whether we embrace that or not. I am thrilled and excited and ecstatic about what God is doing here. And I do hope, I'll repeat what I said, I do hope that you are comfortable and excited about inviting people to be a part of this place. But more than that, I, hope, I do hope that you are telling people about First Baptist, but more than telling people about First Baptist, I hope that His praise is always on your lips. I hope you are telling people about, their, uh, about Jesus who came because he loved them and saved them. And sometimes bringing them here is the first step. Inviting them to, to this place is the first step, and I get that. But may his praise be ever on your lips. Father, we are so very grateful for this place that you have given us, this, this physical campus 
that you have that you have provided for us. Lord, we're thankful not only for the building, we're thankful for where it is. Lord, we're thankful for the preschool that you have trusted to us. These teachers, these students, these lives, these families, thank you for that privilege. Father, you've put us right across the street from Indy Atlantic Elementary. And so we lift them up and we pray for them and we understand our responsibility to love on them and serve them. And Father, you've put us right next door to Hoover Middle School. You have put our campus right next door to Hoover Middle School where we have the opportunity to love and to serve these teachers, this administration, and these families. And Father, you have put us right in the heart of Brevard County. Father, we have this beautiful, beautiful scene to our, to our, to our east. This incredible expanse of your ocean and it's this reminder of your beauty and your bigness. Every time we look east and we can see the sunrise, every time we look west and we can see the sunset, we see these huge pictures of your glory. But Father, you have called us to be more than just a campus. You have called us to be the very temple of the living God. You have called us to be the hands and the feet and the heartbeat and the mouthpiece of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we will enjoy every day that you give us with one another in this place. But we also understand that it is the calling on our lives to go out into this community and to tell people about a Jesus who can save them, a Jesus who provides life and life abundant and life eternal. And so, Father, we once again give you our yes. You just tell us what you need us to do. If, if that is your heart's cry, would you simply join me in saying yes to the Father? Yes. So, Father, we're going to say it one more time. It is our heart's cry. Whatever you call us to do, we will do it. We say yes. In Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. I want to ask you not to leave, but I want to ask you to head on to the fellowship. Jen, Jamin, boys, y'all go so y'all can grieve people. Go welcome our new minister to children and families, Jen Abercrombie. God bless you. We'll see you maybe Saturday or Sunday for the Backstage Theater Group, or we'll see you next Sunday for worship. God bless you.